Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Hello, hi, and howdy. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in again. I'm Lucy Dumas, of course, and you are in for a treat with today's program. Before we get started, I just want to invite you to download my free ebook, 10 Big Ideas for Marketing Photography in the Real World, and you can find that at lucydumascoaching.com. Be sure you spell Lucy with an I. And if you'd like to have a one-on-one conversation and find out more about my coaching programs, just go ahead and uh, send me an email and we'll set that up. So I want to introduce you to Jeff and Lori Poole. They own Indigo Silver Studio in Wilmington, North Carolina. (laughs) They offer boutique boudoir portraiture and wedding photography. They also own and operate the Shoot Space, which is their educational outreach for photographers. The Shoot Space is a community-oriented studio that offers workshops, tutorials, photographers' contracts, and online educational content for photographers. They're also master and craftsman photographers with the Professional Photographers of America, and um, that is in no way a small achievement. So welcome, Lori and Jeff, and thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Of course. How are you? Good, good, good. So first off, I knew Lori when she lived in San Diego, and then she ran away from home. And then the next thing I knew, there was a Jeff and Lori. So tell me how you guys got together. Well, we actually met at WPPI in 2008 just sort of met in passing and then met again the following year and stayed in touch as friends. But after a while, friends started turning into something more, did a little long distance relationship and one of us had to move eventually. So I'm out here in North Carolina now. So that whole what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas stuff. Don't believe it for a minute. (laughs) So what are some of the challenges, Lori, about being part of a couple now? Because you were growing a successful business here in San Diego. And so I know there's lots of blessings. What are some challenges? Yes, there there definitely are both. Some of the blessings I think is that you have someone who understands the struggles that you're going through and always pushes you to do better. Jeff definitely challenges me to step outside my comfort zone, which for me is no small feat. So I'm very grateful to him for that. Some of the challenges though, is I, I think sometimes we're chained at the hip. You know, we live together, we work together to the point where we only have one car because we're always going to work and going home together. So that's definitely a challenge that I don't think would necessarily suit everybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to get away. <laughs> yeah. that's like a, a song from uh, the Cheers. Isn't that when you like to get away? <laughs> yeah. And I think another thing that is like Lori said, there's a lot of blessings there, but being that both Lori and I actually owned and operated our own business, we had our our vision of how that business should be ran. And while 90% of that overlapped and we were in agreement, you know, there was still that little bit of creative difference that we had. 
And we worked together for a long time on weddings and portraits and everything else. And it's only been in the last, what, two years that we've just, we sat down one day after reading Find Your Why. And we sat down one day with a, with a big dry erase board and we just started talking about why we do what we do. And we found out that our whys are really different, you know. And so Lori was starting down the journey of boudoir and I was still in the wedding realm. And so we decided, you know what, it's, I think it's better for us, for Lori to push her dream of having a high-end boutique boudoir studio and make women feel amazing and make them feel beautiful in their own skin while I continued down the road of wedding photography and capturing those real moments on a wedding day. And so for the past couple of years, you know, we've, we've almost split our brand into two, even though it's still one brand. She just manages and runs the entire boudoir genre and I manage and run the entire wedding genre. And that seems to be working really, really well instead of us both trying to be in each other's business and run everything together. It seems that we've had more growth when we put our own spin on our own passion, so to speak. That makes total sense to me because I personally believe in specializing. And when one person is trying to grow a boutique boudoir portrait business and a wedding business, I think that can get confusing. But because you're two separate people, I can see how that would work very nicely where you both can put your full energy into your specialty while supporting each other's businesses. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking is back in my day, (laughs) (laughs) when it was a man's world in this industry, there were many couples I knew where the, the husband was the photographer and the out front person and the wife was in the background doing the sales and the marketing and, you know, whatever she was skilled at. And she was also a creative person. So she started doing, I could name names, but I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) She would start doing some photography and in several cases excelled at it because with weddings and babies, you know, women can be, you know, nurturing and creative and it would lead to a rift in the relationship because then she was wanting more of equal partnership and ended up a a lot of single female owned studios came out of partnerships where they just couldn't make the switch to be, you know, equal weight. So I love that you both had your own life and your own things and that you've found a way to make it work. So was that too gossipy? (laughs) No, no, not at all. I didn't name names, but yeah, no. And I don't know who you're talking about. And I've been in the industry for 15 years. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. So 37 years ago, I was one of the few women that started her own studio all by herself. And, you know, this was what I saw was that women were in that were in the industry. So many of them had been part of a partnership. Okay. So um, today we're going to focus on weddings and another time I'd love to have Lori be the featured conversation person and we can talk more about how you're growing and succeeding in your boudoir space. So how long have you been in the business? Can you tell me a little of your background, Jeff, and why you specialize in weddings? Yeah. You know, I think, again, I started like everyone else. I worked a full-time job. And I, I had a camera, 
But my job was a little different than everybody else's. I was actually a paramedic. And so when you're in the line of work that you see people sick and dying every day, photography means a lot more than if you work in an office job or, or whatever. I think, you know, it was more of an outlet for me to be able to capture kind of those real moments, those happy moments with families and at weddings. And I never really decided to make that leap full time until I had a, a really bad call where a little girl got killed. And I go on this call and um, you know, I'm walking through the house and uh, the little girl, had, unfortunately, she had, she had passed away due to a, like a freak accident um, with an elevator in her, in her home. And I'm there, I'm walking through the house and, you know, job number one, I'm there as a paramedic. I'm there to console the family and, you know, like help them deal with what's going on. Um, but, you know, hat number two is I had a daughter that was about the same age as this little girl. And so it really hit close to home for me that this family had just lost their daughter. And uh, hat number three that I was wearing was I was still toying with photography and I had just opened a shared studio space with another photographer and I was still doing a lot of digital, I guess, files, you know, like most photographers do when they start out, but I did want to sell prints. And so I still was offering prints, but I was doing prints and digital at the same time. And the thing that made me realize that photography was something I wanted to do forever is there's a, there's an amazing photographer here in town. His name's Kenny Barnes that does beautiful, beautiful painter portraits. And still to this day, his, his skill and, and, and as an artist is well beyond what I could ever do. But I remember, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, whenever, how long it was walking through this house and seeing these beautiful painter portraits of this little girl that he had done and thinking, this is the only thing those parents are going to have to remember her by. Mm. And it wasn't long after that, that I actually quit being a paramedic and really started thinking, okay, digital files are not the way, you know, print is because I know firsthand that those, that family is only going to have those wall portraits to remember their daughter by. And so that's why print sales is so important to me. And that's when I really wanted to make the leap that, you know, photography was what I wanted to do. So mine was a little bit different path than a lot of people that got a camera. I got a camera, but you know, I had a, a pretty rough road being a medic and seeing people die and, you know, realizing that life is short and that prints and things last forever. So that was more of my background. You gave me chills when you talked about the paintings. And I know that I have some clients where before we delivered the portraits, the, the subjects were no longer living. And so having that firsthand understanding, in fact, there was a memorial that I was invited to of, of someone and having my portrait, you know, and it's not about the ego, my portrait, but there was this big slideshow that had like 50 photographs of this gentleman's life. And we had a large portrait on an easel at the front. And I will humbly say that that portrait really captured something about him that he didn't usually reveal when someone picked up a camera. He was kind of, you know, someone that would make a a funny face or a wild grin. And so the guest at his memorial shared that that portrait, it felt like he was there. And, you know, it just, just like you, it just reiterated to me the value of what we do. And especially the value of that printed work, because we can sit and ponder. And, you know, with, I have wedding albums, so we're going to jump into that in a second. But I've been divorced twice, married twice, so divorced twice. And I still treasure my wedding albums because 
first of all, I looked young and super beautiful. <laughs> and my mom is there, my dad, my grandma, my niece and nephew when they were little kids, and now they're parents of their own. And, you know, so even, even wedding albums, if the marriage is a uh, temporary, <laughs> which we all hope is not, having a beautiful wedding album has a lifetime, many lifetime value. So I want to jump into the question about, you said that you love selling prints. So how in a world where digital files for weddings have become the norm, can you tell me a little bit about how you price your weddings and sell your albums? Sure. I think that, you know, and this is something that Lori and I kind of disagree on a little bit. Unfortunately, with weddings, I feel like digital files are something that in this day and age, you almost have to give them for weddings. And I know that in certain parts of the country, you can probably get away with that. So we take a little bit different approach. We do with our wedding commission. We only have one commission because for me, I don't want to get out of bed and go shoot, you know, a piddly little wedding and not make a lot of money on it. And so I only have one commission and that commission is six hours and it includes your files printable to eight by 10. It includes credit for an engagement session. It includes a credit for a, a bridal session, but with the engagement and bridal, no digital files are included. It's just the session. They have to still purchase whatever they want from that. Um, and it includes a credit for a wedding album and, and that's $4,000 and it's about to go up to probably 4,500 January 1st. I'm going to, I'm going to bump that up. But the, the goal in, in that is that, you know, we, we kind of entice them in with our work and that starting price being at a reasonable point that, you know, we know that they're, they're going to upgrade certain things along the way. And that's how we keep a six to $7,000 average on our weddings is because I know that they're going to add hours to the collection. You know, I know that they're going to come in and buy from their engagement and bridal session. And for us, a lot of times, I'd say about 75% of our couples do add a wedding album. And so the credits that we give, we actually print plastic gift cards and um, we use a company called School Photo Marketing Online. And they do ID badges, but you can order plastic ID badges and design them like a gift card and they're like 25 cents a piece. But we do that in, a, in, in order to give them something that's tangible because if you just tell someone they have a credit for something, it goes in one ear and out the other. But when you put it onto a plastic gift card, Mm. and give it an expiration date, it becomes real because of the world that we live in of gift cards. It becomes real tangible money. And so they put it in their wallet. They don't lose it. They, they, will, they will spend $1,500, $2,500 on a wedding album in order not to let a $250 card expire. And so that's worked really, really well for us. But you know, we, we just do it by touch points. Along the way, we'll just meet with them and we'll explain the benefits of an album and a lot of our clients see the value in having an album long-term. And so we, we roll it in like that. Mm. Can I share with you uh, a little bit of an alternate just for yeah, of course. about and maybe even you? Yeah, so, of course. And this is something with my coaching clients that I'd love to help set up with them where we do packages that include a limited amount of photographs in an album. So let's say, 30 images in a 10 by 10 book. And if they want the digitals, then they add $500 and they get all of the digitals of anything they purchase. So it enhances during the, okay, now it's time to sit down. 
and pick your wedding album, well, they're going to want 60, 70, 80, 100 photographs. And that motivation also of then they're going to get those digital files tends to, you know, bring that sale up. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like coming from the opposite direction of what you're saying. One of my clients who'd been in the business for 10 years, working 60 hours a week and bringing in, she's the main breadwinner in her family. She doubled her sales and cut her work to 30 hours a week by just making that switch. And because like you, she already had people who love to work. It didn't impact her bookings at all because people still had that option. And then what I do with engagement, because I found when I did weddings, I did them for the first 12 years of my career, I would do engagement sessions and they would buy one eight by 10 sometimes because it wasn't that important to them. So what I started doing was offering a free engagement session with a minimum purchase. So if they prepay an additional $300, then we'll do the engagement session. And that made it really easy to get a wall portrait and a separate engagement album and bump my sales up quite a bit and then also not have to spend time doing engagement for people that really, you know, were not that interested, but it came with the package. So you know, that's just a little different way to, to get them to commit to the engagement. And the other thing that's curious is, and one of the things I teach a lot is about being a trusted advisor. And by the time I get to that point of the engagement conversation, I tell them directly, don't take this out of your wedding budget. <laughs> and Jeff, it's the weirdest thing. They go, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say, you know, maybe it'll be a wedding gift to each other or your a birthday or a Christmas gift. But, you know, this is something separate. And by telling them that, it opens up a whole new bunch of money <laughs> for yeah. them to spend without it uh, reducing the wedding. So yeah, anyway. sometimes you have to give people permission. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So different way to skin a cat with that, but either way, you know, focusing on the importance of a wedding album and setting up the pricing so that they can and will order more after the wedding is what I hear you've done. Yeah. So we do, we do a couple of different things, you know, with our engagements, you know, we, we don't include files with that. And so we give them that credit, that little gift card that is basically giving them a session. But when it comes to the ordering appointment, the, the reason, the way we avoid them buying just one print is we don't offer gift prints on our a la carte menu. It's just not available. So our a la carte menu, we have two ways that they can buy. Um, we have an a la carte menu and then we have a build your own package um, menu where they have to buy through a certain number of steps like wall portrait, um, a book option, gift print, and then digital file options. But it, it benefits them to go through that build your own. And I know that they're going to have at least a minimum $1,500 spend if they go through that build your own, but the a la carte is almost punishing that bad behavior. And so um, <laughs> a, qu a quote I like to use from Sal Sincata, you know, he, um, he's one of our 
unofficial mentors. He somebody, someone that we look up to uh, in the industry of business and photography, but he, he always says punish bad behavior. And so with that, you know, our a la carte menu doesn't have gift prints on it. It, it only has the complete set of digital files. It only has the largest couture books on it. And so if you're going to buy from our a la carte menu, it's, you're just stupid because it's, you're going to spend more money buying from the a la carte menu than if you buy through the package. But at least if they buy through the package, we know what we can expect from a sale as a minimum. And, you know, oftentimes it's more. Um, I did a $2,500 engagement sale last week in Charlotte from giving that free session because when they looked at the options of a la carte versus package, they were like, well, it just doesn't make sense. We'll go through the package. And, you know, then they're not buying the smallest thing in each step. They're obviously going to buy bigger. And so, uh, so it works out, you know, and that's how we, we, we do that. And we have a completely different way that we sell albums we can talk about in a few minutes. Okay, so Jeff, you mentioned that you sell albums a little differently. And so, Lori, can you share how y'all do that? I'm pretending I'm in North Carolina. How y'all do that? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, yes, absolutely. Well, we noticed, you know, in the first few years of our studio that there are a couple of sort of industry standard ways to sell albums, one of which is you give all the images to your clients and you tell them to come back with their favorite X number, their favorite 50, 60, however many. What we found though is that clients aren't really that talented at choosing images that tell a story. So they have this mental checklist in their head of like, oh, I need one of grandma, I need one of so-and-so. They're not really thinking about the story or how it lays out in the album. They're also kind of thinking about just cramming as many images in the pages as possible. So from an album design perspective, this doesn't really work. From a sales perspective, it doesn't really work. So the next thing that we tried from there was to do the pre-design concept. And that is where you as the artist design the album that you think best tells the story of the wedding day, which is often with lots and lots of pages. Now let's say that the couple purchased an album in at 30 pages, but you've now designed them a... 65 page album, then you now force them to either accept the album as is or start deleting pages out until they've gotten back down to their 30 pages. We tried that as well. It's entirely possible that we didn't really present it the right way, but what we found is that we really upset a lot of our clients. They felt that they got the bait and switch and they felt very manipulated. Mm-hmm. And for us, it just it just didn't feel right. One thing that we have learned, you know, in the decade of running our studio together is that we have to believe in what we're selling. So if we're uncomfortable with a certain process, it's never going to work out that well. We definitely have to have confidence in what we're doing. So one day I was sitting there and I was exasperated and frustrated with this whole process. And I turned and looked at Jeff and I said, you know, as artists, we know what it is that we're going to put in an album. We know that we're going to do this storytelling process. We know we're going to start with bride's details and then bride getting ready and then groom and you know so on and so forth. And we know that the minimum 20 to 30 pages is never going to be enough to tell a story. I just wish we could somehow convey that to the client ahead of time. And that sort of sparked a little light bulb in my head that if we have this mental checklist of all the things that we're doing to prepare an album, why not share that checklist in the form of a worksheet that we work on with our clients? So I got to work in creating this worksheet and basically made a list of all of these checklist types of events that could conceivably happen in a wedding day. So for example, bride getting ready, 
bride details, groom details, groom getting ready, bride and groom first look, bride and bridal party, you know, so on and so forth throughout the wedding day, first dance, cake cutting, all the things. And um, came up with a list, you know, that was pretty extensive, separated it down into sections of the day. So like the pre-ceremony, the reveal, the ceremony, the reception. Mm -hmm. And basically we came up with this system where we decided that we were going to, after the wedding, sit down with the clients with their images pulled up on the screen and work through that worksheet together. And in effect, ask them, do you want each of these things? It's first a yes or no question. Do you want bride getting ready? Do you want groom getting ready? Do you want, you know, the ceremony? And then if yes, how many? And from there, we found that we're usually, especially after the wedding, once you've photographed it, we're able to kind of look at the images and give them our best recommendations of, I think this would probably lay out in, for example, three spreads. What do you think? And from there, the client can say yes or no. So there is a little bit of a process on preparing the client for this ahead of time so that they understand that that's how that's going to go. But ultimately, what we found is that when the client is sitting there making the decisions of, yes, I want this, and this is how many I want, when we get to the end of the worksheet, they'll usually have designed themselves somewhere between 60 to 80 pages in their album. But they were the one making that decision. It wasn't us, you know, forcing it on them in a pre-design. When we pre-design it, we're the bad guys, but now they've made that decision themselves. And then usually at that point, we ask them, you know, are, are they comfortable with the size and scope of the album? We give them a price tag. And a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, that's a little more than what we had intended. So let's see where we can trim. Yeah, sure. No problem. We hand them back the worksheet and, you know, we'll sit there and talk about ways that they can trim. What we found on average, what would you say? Maybe three spreads? Three, three to four spreads. Three to four spreads is usually the most that they're able to narrow down. Because once they've said yes to them and they've seen the images and they've imagined it in their head, they've taken ownership of those spreads. It's very difficult for them to give them up at that point. That makes total sense. So let me recap this. So instead of pre-designing, which you found didn't feel good to you and you got pushback from enough clients who felt like you were trying to trick them or bait and switch you had this light bulb moment of designing it together. And I'm imagining you're not designing like every individual page, just like, okay, we need five images of the cake cutting and we need blah, 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 right? It's actually even less specific than that. So it is a literal worksheet with check boxes. So for example, they say they want a spread of the cake, then they just check the box. And we're not actually choosing images at that time. So what we tell them is that, you know, in high school, before you sat down and write an essay, you had to come up with an outline first. Ah. This is essentially the outline for what is going to become the story of their wedding day. So we come up with the outline together. We, you know, tally up the total, set it on a price, work out the payment details, all of that. They leave at the end of the night and we get to work designing their album from there. Jeff is actually our album designer. So we tell them that Jeff will choose the images that he feels best reflects the story based on the worksheet that they've designed. However, they will be able to make any changes that they want to once they've seen the full design. Hmm. So how are they seeing the photographs initially? 
So initially when we're doing the worksheet, we are here in studio, or if they are a destination client from out of town, we do a, uh, a screen share with them and we control the, the screen and we open Lightroom. And for example, I will open up um, bride details and the only thing that will be on the screen are bride details. And I will ask them, okay, do you want the story bride details in your album? And they're going to say yes. And, and they say, well, how many spreads of that being that a spread is a left and right page? How many spreads do you want of that? And they'll say, I don't know. What do you think? And then at that point, I will say, well, I think we can put these images together and these images together and these images together. So I recommend three spreads of that. And they'll say, okay. And then we move to the next thing. And so they're not looking, they're not choosing images. They're only choosing stories, but we do show them those images that represent that story. So they just get a sense of how many there are. And we can look at things like colors and uh, concepts and things like that. So we open up bride prep hair and makeup, for example, and there might be 70 images on the screen, but of course there might be four that are very similar. And so I'll tell them, you don't need all four of these. You really only need one to represent that story that's being told. And so I recommend putting this group together on a spread, this group together and this group together. And so I recommend three spreads. Now, when it comes to designing the album, I tell them I'm going to design the album using the images I best feel tell the story and go together on a spread together that have good color, good clarity, good story to represent that story of the day. And then I proof it to them using Fundy online proofer, and then they can make changes to it as much as they want. They can change as many images in the album as they want, because at that point, the only thing they're doing is making sure that the images they like are in there, or maybe ones that they don't like aren't in there. And so the most I've ever had someone change was, I think, 45 image swaps out of an 80-page album that probably had close to 200 images in it. She made 45 changes. Now, using Fundy Designer is probably one of the best album design softwares that I know of. It took me about 20 minutes. It took me about 20 minutes to do those changes. And that's the most I've ever had. Most people make 10 or 15 image swaps and they're done. That's it. So it really streamlines the process on my end and it leads to higher sales. So I want to back up just a little though. Do you do a slideshow first so that they can get the emotional impact? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you do it projected or do you do it on a computer, laptop, TV? What device do they see their work in? Yeah. So the first thing they do after about two to three weeks after the wedding is they come back into our studio and we have a screening room that has a 65 inch TV with surround sound and, you know, chandelier, really nice furniture and everything in there. And we give them cheese and crackers, beer, wine, champagne, mimosas, whatever it is they want. And we start a slideshow and Lori and I leave the room and we tell them like when the slideshow is going to take about an hour. Once it's done, just come into our office, which is right next door. And we'll come back in and, you know, like, chat through anything that they want to purchase or um, how they want to proceed from there. And so we do that slideshow. We dim the lights. um, We leave them in the room alone with cheese and crackers and beer and wine, champagne, and just let them relive that moment. And then we come back in afterwards. And if they have an album, then we go right into the album design process. Uh, If they don't have an album, we make that album credit expire the night of the premiere because we want to give them a um, a call to action, make, put some urgency in it. And so if they haven't already added one, we say, okay, guys, you know, tonight is uh, the last night that you can get that $250 off one of our couture albums. Is it something you've thought about? And most of the time people, if they haven't already added one, they will. And then from there we go right into the album design process. So 
how many images are they seeing in that hour? That blows my mind that they're watching a slideshow for an hour. Yeah, it's the whole wedding. We don't we don't narrow it down. If thousand, they if they have eight, eight if they, images, we do narrow it. Down. Yeah, oh yeah, we do narrow it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. So let's say at a wedding, I shoot two thousand images. I'm gonna narrow it down on my end to get rid of all the junk. You know, I'm gonna narrow it down to between eight hundred and a thousand images, and that's what they're gonna see when they come in. You know, like full Lightroom edits, um, black and whites, color corrections, you know, like everything there. They're, we put them up in a slideshow in Lightroom, and then that's what they see. It takes about 45 minutes or an hour. Okay. So can I share with you how I, you know, there's lots of ways to skin a cat. Sure. Yeah. So back in the day, I did uh, kind of what you are talking about, only it was, you know, paper proofs. Mm -hmm. I would make up a map of an album. So I would put the proofs together in the sequence I would do a wedding. And then I would write up a form where it had, you know, one on a page was an eight by 10 and four on a page was a five by five. And I showed them the pictures as if they were looking at their book. And then I had a second box of images that were alternates. If they stayed with my book, I gave them a 30% discount. And then they went home and then they designed their book, which then I love what you said about people are not, you know, that's not their job. That's not their skill. So probably a third of the time they would come back and just leave it as is because they could start taking things out and it would still cost the same because of that discount. So that helped me switch from the old fashioned proof book to just having loose prints so that they could play with them. But when in the digital world and, you know, I, I could slap myself on the forehead for not thinking of this pre-digital is the way I sold my engagement sessions and portraits pre-digital was a slideshow where my work was proofed on slides. It was a, you know, they don't make that film anymore, so we can't get that. And I don't know why I never thought to do that with weddings as well and just sit down with them and order at the same time as what I do now is I've narrowed down to about 400, but I create an emotional slideshow of about 120 and we sit down together and I have a slideshow put to music and it's as if they're looking at their wedding album and you know, their hearts are swelling and they're laughing and crying. So that's my favorite part to leave the room. You can't, you can't make me leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> for that part because that's why I do it is I yeah. for me that emotional reaction okay so after we see the the ooh ah slideshow makes him cry and laugh and love me uh of you know the best of then we go through the like 400 or so and we do yes no's and maybes and we narrow down to the ones they love the most so let's say there's a hundred that they absolutely love, well, then their book might only have 30 included. So I ask if they want to keep narrowing down or if they want the whole hundred, this would be the additional price because I don't sell pages. I sell uh, per image, basically. And so then we just kind of come to a, yeah, you know, a 75 page book would work. And so we, we take out you know, the other, let's say 20 ish. And then they leave it to me to design the book. I design the book. I let them see it one time. I don't 
there's almost never revisions because they've selected their favorites. And I'm careful to, just like you, leave in the ones that are going to tell the full story. It's just a little different way to do it. And I find at that point, it, they're maybe with me for about three hours. And then they leave and I get designing. And, you know, I have this fear of, of uh, too many changes. Now, I didn't know that with Fundy, they could actually make their own changes. Yeah, it's not make their own changes. Um, we, um, we put them online and they can request their changes. So it's a really easy proofing system where they can just drag like a comment box over an image and type in that comment box, switch this image with this image. But it doesn't, it doesn't take me long to make those changes because of how easy Fundy actually has to work. And, and we do have rules. You know, they, the first revision uh, round is, is free. So they can change out as much as they want. And like I said, our average is 15 to 20 images that they'll switch out. But after that, after that initial round, they can, re- they can request as many. But once they hit submit and send it back, then any additional changes cost. They cost money. And, uh, and they have a deadline. You know, they have a 30-day deadline to get those initial changes in. And if they don't get their changes in by that deadline, we'll send them an extension to say, hey, you have 15 days to get this in. And then if they don't get it in within 15 days, we send them uh, an email that, you know, about maybe about 10 days out, we send them an email that says, look, you've got five more days or your album will be archived and we move it to the back of the line and we don't touch it until the end of our season. And I'm very upfront with clients. I'm like, look, you know, you've got an album. I dedicate a certain number of hours and time after your wedding to work on your album. And it's not fair that if you drag your feet for three months and now all of a sudden it's a priority for you to get your album. It's not fair to other clients for me to put theirs on the back burner so I can work on yours when it should have been done months ago. So if you don't get your changes request in, just know it's going to be pushed to the back of the line and I'm not working on it until November or December when my season's over. And it's a $250 archive fee because that's when I should be planning my next, my 2020 season and, and really analyzing my business. And so if you want me to work on your album when I should be doing that, then it's a $250 fee. And I think we've had one person in the, in like the five years that we've been doing it actually be archived. So most people get their stuff done pretty quickly. Yeah. You put the fear of God into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I've noticed that the people, you know, before I started this, where once they leave my studio, it's done and I start to work. So I don't have to do any of the reminding and the reposting and all of all the, none of that is just come in, pick them. Goodbye. I get to work. Well, even now if they lag at coming in, you know, it may be sometimes, and I don't do a lot of weddings now, but if it's six months before they get in to see them for some reason, those are always the people that complain. Well, it took a year to get my album back and they never say, yeah, and it took me nine and a half months. <laughs> yeah. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. And that's what when we teach, I'm like, you know, that first method of like, here, pick your images, you know, is one of the biggest things that people just don't do it. And they know that they're late. But I tell people, I'm like, it's okay that your clients know they're late. But guess what? Friends, family, parents, they don't know that they're the ones dragging their feet. They think it's you. And so, so for me, I think doing the worksheet and, and being able to, for them to pick the stories and me pick the images works better because if you put me in a room for three hours with a couple and I had to pick out every image that goes in their wedding al- album with them, it'd be like poking a hot iron in my eyeball. 
because I just <laughs> don't want to do it. I'd rather pick out the stories, design it, send it to them, let them make their requests. I spend 15, 20 minutes making those changes and be done rather than sitting in there and with a couple that can't decide on anything, trying to pick out 80 or a hundred images to go in an album. That just seems like a, a nightmare. And I'm sure it works for some people, but yeah, yeah. I don't think that would work for me. Because for me, <laughs> the idea of, first of all, not being done when they leave and having to remind them and having them have the option of making changes and all of that is yeah. I don't want to do. Yeah. And my system where we just do yes, no, and maybe yes, no, and maybe like they don't pick out exactly. We get like, okay, now we've got about 80. And so, you know, I'll put the story together. I may pull a few more in. There might be something that doesn't fit. So we're not, we're not laying it out, but, but, I, but that's, that's my happy place is sitting <laughs> and and enjoying it and yours is different. And that's what I love about this business is there are smart ways to do things that are different from each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The wiser way, especially with weddings is to come up with a system where they can order more afterwards. Absolutely. Where like for me, because I'm sitting down with them and I love a projector because I can show it six by six which you cannot do a vertical on a television six feet tall. And you've got, you know, unless you're in the movie theater, then maybe. <laughs> so I sell a lot of wall portraits from weddings because of that. And because we're spending time narrowing down to the ones that have the strongest emotional impact, then they start falling in love with some that they cannot help but decorate their home with the wall art and I didn't used to sell many wall portraits with weddings back when I did them a lot, but I included one in a package and they, they could not eliminate it or get a, get a credit. They could have it smaller if they wanted, but um, anywho, so lots of smart ways to skin a cat and I love your ideas. And I know that there are listeners out there who are going to, their minds are just exploding right now. <laughs> yeah. And I think with wall portraits, you know, like you were saying, I mean, we do this, we, we will sit down with them and pick out their favorites and narrow them down for wall portraits. It's just for wedding albums um, that we take a little bit different approach. And even for portrait clients that buy albums, Lori narrows it down to their favorites. Literally wedding albums is the only thing that we do that storytelling worksheet type approach with. Because to me, it just streamlines the process and makes it quicker and easier for, for me and the clients. But like you said, for, for wall portraits, for portrait books, where we show someone 75 images from a portrait session, yeah, absolutely. It's feasible to sit down and pick out their favorite 30 to 50 to go in a book. And so we do that. And there's no changes. There's no redesigns or anything else for portraits. It's just weddings that we're just a little bit different with that. So I'm going to think about your method to see if there's a way to also incorporate that and make it easier for those rare weddings that I do make it easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the main difference is just instead of focusing on individual images, we're focusing on stories. Right. And, you know, so rather than picking images, we're picking stories and working backwards, but mm-hmm. sounds like we're coming to a similar end. Yeah. yeah. And it, it makes it really easy for us to upsell the albums too. our average wedding albums, anywhere between, you know, 3,500 to $4,000. And so, you know, when you're adding that on top of a $4,000 base commission, not including engagement or bridal or any wall portrait sales, then it becomes really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's working for you and it fits your 
your style. So yeah, I know that the listeners are like getting a lot out of this. I appreciate it. So, Hey, so you're speaking at WPPI. Are you also speaking at imaging? Not at imaging. No, we're just, uh, we get to play at imaging. We will be in the Fundy booth. If any of you guys have heard us talk about the album designer Fundy and you haven't heard of it, it's absolutely amazing. Go by the Fundy booth at Imaging USA. Uh, Lori and I will give you a demo of the software and it's absolutely amazing. I can design an 80 to 100 page wedding album in less than an hour. I'm a huge Fundy fan as well. And I also, I really love the um, branding program where I can take a hundred images, put my logo on all of them and have them perfectly positioned and sized. Absolutely. A minute. Or mm-hmm. less. Yeah. I love we'll that. Also, yeah. We'll also be at Shutterfest this year in April. So um, we're speaking at Shutterfest. So we're speaking at Shutterfest. We're speaking at WPPI. We will be in the Fundy booth at WPPI and Shutterfest. I, I'm sorry. And Imaging USA, but our album class is going to be at, we're doing two album classes. They're going to be a little bit different. The one at WPPI is going to be $3,000 wedding albums made easy. And the one at uh, Shutterfest is called the story is greater than the shot because we see a lot of photographers these days really focusing on that one epic shot. But when you look at a body of their work, it's not that great. It's not consistent. It's not storytelling. And so we're going to talk about the storytelling approach to how to even photograph a wedding because with our worksheet, when we developed the worksheet, it actually changed the way we shoot. You know, when we developed that worksheet to start talking about how we're going to sell a wedding album, now we're like, wait, you mean if I shoot specifically for all this stuff, it makes it harder for the client to say no to it when they go to design their wedding album? Hmm, I'm onto something. And so now we shoot with that worksheet in mind because I know if I shoot a story, they're going to want that story in their book. And so that's what a lot of what we talk about as well. I was editor of my yearbook in high school. so. I always had the book and story in mind, you know, from probably my third wedding, not realizing that it was also really smart business because if I do the cake cutting, you know, this was back when you had only certain shapes and amounts you could put on a page, but I would photograph so that there was a nice picture of them cutting the cake and then four fun ones of feeding them to each other, maybe a toast, something like that. So yeah, it's very powerful to think about the storyline. And also I think some photographers who are doing lots of candids don't think about the archival historic value of some posed portraits that include family members and everybody looking good together. Now they don't have to be, you know, all looking at the camera cheesing, but I found that when I have a lot of candids and a nice collection of what we would call the formals, even if they're not formal, formal, the ones that sell the most when people are given the choice to purchase individuals are the posed ones because, you know, that's what mom wants uh, in a frame. Uh, That's what, you know, thank you gifts, thank you cards, things like that. So, yeah, I love what you're doing and I love, oh my gosh, we completely did not go into marketing at all and we were going to cover that. Maybe we can touch on that slightly. So I'll finish my thought is what I love about being in this industry is we can use our own brains, not just other people's business models. We can think up stuff. And so I applaud you for coming up with a new idea 
and now you're sharing it with everybody. So in a five minutes, if you can do that, can you talk about how you get clients? I know that's an entirely yeah. huge yeah. conversation. That's a, that's a year-long conversation. Yeah, that is, that is a, a very long <laughs> conversation. Um, but yeah, I'll give kind of the recap, and, and, um, and I'm sure people can research and figure out how to do it. So I think that, you know, there's one thing that photographers, wedding photographers struggle with, and, you know, we even struggle with it, uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's, it's difficult. It's a difficult time for wedding photographers when everybody has a camera and, you know, aside from families, weddings are the next big money for people to do. And so, you know, it, it's tough for us to get the clients. And especially when you're running a higher end brand and you're looking for that four to $5,000 starting, you know, ask for a client. And so, you know, there's two ways that, that I've found that work the best for getting clients. First and foremost, it's relationship marketing. You know, if you're not out there shaking hands and kissing babies with all the wedding planners and the venues and all the other wedding vendors in your area, your business is going to suffer from that. And I'll, I can tell you firsthand that we are victim of that. We, uh, we went chasing our PPA degrees, our master photographer and our craftsman degree a few years ago. And we spent so much time pushing the education side of our brand that I wasn't out there shaking hands and kissing babies. And we went from shooting 25 to 30 weddings in 2016, 2017 to five in 2018. And it wasn't until late 2017 that we realized like that ship was sinking. And I was like, oh my God, like it's next year is going to suck. And so, you know, we went back out and got back on the horse and started doing everything. And this year ended up being a really good year for us. But last year was tough because we weren't out doing that relationship marketing. So I think first and foremost, you have to be top of mind with all your vendor partners that are out there. You have to be on those referral lists and, and there's no getting around that. If you're not there, your business is going gonna, is gonna to be a little bit difficult. But the second way I think that photographers need to start thinking is digital marketing. And, um, you know, the first thing that people think of with digital marketing is Facebook and Instagram and boosting a post and clicking that little boost button and throwing 20 bucks at it. But there's way more to digital marketing than that. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you're shopping for a new light stand or a new light and you're on Amazon and you decide not to buy it and for the next week and a half to two weeks afterwards, every time you open up your computer, that ad is there, you know, tempting you with that light stand or light that you were looking at. It's called retargeting. It's not hard. It's, it's, we can do it and we can do it for a fraction of the advertised costs that those big brands can do. And so I think by putting the Facebook pixel on your page and now building a retargeting campaign that anytime someone lands on your, on your website, you can now feed ads back to them on social media is super, super powerful. And so Lori and I, a couple of years ago, we were like, well, let's see if we can take this to the next level. And so what we did is we created a lead magnet called eight tips to planning a stress-free wedding day. And we built that in a sticky folio. Um, and if you guys aren't familiar with sticky folios, it's stickymarketingtools.com. Um, some of the best marketing tools that I can think of for the price that you're going to pay for it. But we built it in a mobile app in their, in their platform. And then we go to wedding shows and we say, when we have people in our booth at the wedding show, we say, all right, if you want more information about our pricing and our services, just give us your email address and we're going to send that to you. But just asking someone for their email address isn't going to do it. You have to give them uh, something of equal value, you know, in their mind, you have to give them something of value in order for them to give you an email address because they know that you're going to spam them. So if you don't give them something of value, they're not going to give you an email address. 
And so we give them eight tips to planning a stress-free wedding day. I tell them it's a handy little mobile app that you put on your phone. And when you start thinking about certain things throughout the day, open that app and check and, and read some of those tips that are in there because it's going to help you plan a day that's going to not make you want to pull your hair out. Well, we also have their email address ported over to something like MailChimp that we have about 15 emails that go out. And so now a bride's coming to the show, they see our booth and they give us their email address. They are automatically receiving emails because that drip series is already written. It's been written for two years. So unlike the photographer to ask for an email address and drops their name in the fishbowl to win a prize, we have them put it directly into our, our computer and it triggers the, those emails to go out. That first email delivers the download for that mobile app but now they're going to continue to get emails from us that are pre-written, not sales. No one wants to be sold to. Those emails are educational. It's all tips and tricks on how to make their life easier when planning wedding. It's featured products. It's featured weddings. It's colors of the day. It's all kind of stuff that's tips for them. So we get very few unsubscribes from it, but it's also branding us as the expert in their eyes. Now, to take that a step further, they have the mobile app on their phone, which has our Facebook pixel embedded in it. So now they open up the mobile app and they start reading it. Every time they open the app, it triggers our pixel. So now if you think about it from like a guerrilla marketing type thing, when they go to our booth, they give us their email address, they see us, they take home our printed literature. They now have our app on their mobile phone that they can refer back to. They're also getting our emails every three to four days and they're seeing our retargeting ads on Facebook. So when they think I need to hire a photographer, who are they going to think about? Someone who is on their newsfeed, who is on their phone, who they're getting those educational emails, or that photographer that dropped their names in a fishbowl and three days later sent out one email and another three days maybe sent out a second email. That's usually a sales pitch probably. Yeah, that's all sales pitch. You yeah. know, we're, we're positioning ourselves as a trusted advisor, like you said, in their mind of like, we are the expert that you need to hire. And never once in that email sequence, do we ask them to book us? You know, we don't ask for the sale at all in that email sequence in, in any of that. You know, we just say, you know, if you uh, are interested in learning more about how we can help you for your wedding day, please contact us. But we don't say book now and save this, or you get this when you book. We do have a show special. I will say that's in the first email that goes out of like, Hey, don't forget our show special. It ends tomorrow but that is the only pitch that we give. The rest of it is strictly education because we want to position ourselves as an expert in their eyes. So when they think of, I need a wedding photographer, who are they going to go to? Like, that's what we're doing. Top of mind marketing with them. So two things. First of all, now you've blown my mind again, because <laughs> these are things, you know, as a business coach, I've been learning about, and I've not been able to, have a super clear picture about how a local photographer could use some of the, what the eight tips is called a lead magnet lead magnet, mm -hmm. and that whole system, how to use that in the wedding and portrait business. So mm -hmm. you guys are so smart. <laughs> and we do, the, we do the same thing for portraits as well. So Lori has one for boudoir and I know this is wedding related, but I, you know, we can do it in any genre. So let's say you have eight tips uh, or three tips. Let's say, let's keep it wedding related. Let's say you have five ways to rock your engagement session, right? And there's no show coming up. Five ways to rock your engagement session. Spend $20 a day, $15, $20 a day, 
build a Facebook ad targeting engaged couples that have been married, that have been engaged. Our, our actual audience is females 25 to 45 that have been engaged three months or less because I want to catch them when they're excited that like high end luxury goods, spa services, shop at name brand luxury places. You know, that's the audience that we build inside of Facebook. So if you don't meet that criteria, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to see our ads. And so we target those ads of like, you know, five ways to rock your engagement portraits. And now we put it out there to that audience. Well, that savvy, fashionable bride that sees that ad is going to say, yeah, I want to know how to rock my engagement portraits, even though I've only been engaged three months and don't even have a photographer and don't have a wedding date, don't have any of that. We're actively marketing to them instead of passively marketing. When you do face um, Google ads and you're waiting for someone to come to your website, that's uh, passive marketing. You're waiting until they need something and they're searching for it to put your name out there. We're reaching out actively and putting our name out before they even know they need. And so now they're going to see that ad on Facebook and they're going to go, I want that. They're going to click it. They're going to go to a page on our website that has no header, no footer, no navigation. The only thing they can do on that page is give us an email address to send that lead magnet to. And then that whole series starts again. Once we've got their email address and they have our app, now we can email them. The app triggers the Facebook pixel. We can retarget ads to them. Do you do this also on Instagram and other platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So Facebook, um, now it obviously owns Instagram. So when you build an ad on Facebook, it will cross promote over to Instagram as well. If you, if you check the little box to tell it to. So our ads will catch them on Facebook and Instagram. We don't do a lot with Google AdWords. No reason why. I mean, I know it works. It's great. It's just that. Well, it's mainly you know, what you were saying and that by the time they're on Google searching for photographers, you're a little bit behind schedule on the marketing thing. Right. Whereas on on Facebook and Instagram, you're pushing that content to them before they even know they need it. Right. Do you know Gary Larson used to do the Far Side cartoons? Mm-hmm. Which actually I heard he's going to do them again. My all-time favorite was two vultures in a tree. And, you know, vultures have to wait for something to die, <laughs> which is kind of like a Google ad word to me. <laughs> and they're looking over, a, you know, the, the tundra filled with wildebeests. And one of them says, uh, patience, hell, I'm going to go kill something. Uh-huh. So yeah, pretty much that what you're talking about is actually, you know, pulling them to you, <laughs> we'll say. So before we close, I just, there's a term you used, and I think I've had to hear it 10 times with various teachers before I understood the word or even like focused on it is the word the Facebook pixel, because when I hear that, I think about editing or I think about some software. So a Facebook pixel is a little thing that we don't want to go into the details of how you do it. But the reason why you just think about a new mattress (laughs) or you search for a new mattress and then all of a sudden it all shows up in your newsfeed is that the places we've searched have attached what's called a pixel uh, to their ad so that when I search and then it hooks into my Facebook and so then I see it in ads. So that's what that term is. And I don't know if other people have had the same, like, I don't know, you know, when I, when I heard it for the first nine times, (laughs) I, 
I equated it with something else. So then I didn't understand. So yeah, yeah that's probably basically what it is, is, you know, we all as photographers, we know what pixels are. And so a pixel is a one by one actual pixel. It's just a snippet of code that you put in your website. Little tiny um, JPEG. Li yeah. Little tiny invisible JPEG one by one pixel. And when your page loads, it fires that pixel. And now because Facebook tracks that pixel, now they know who, who has opened it. So if I open your website, Lucy, and you have that pixel on there and I'm logged into Facebook, which everybody on their phone and their computer stays logged into Facebook, Facebook now puts those pieces of the puzzle together and say, Jeff went to Lucy's website. Lucy has a pixel. Lucy wants Jeff to see again, whatever it was he looked at on her website. So the ads that Lucy built, we're now going to show them to Jeff because we know that Jeff's been to Lucy's website and it's as simple as that. And now you can get very complex with it. You can narrow it down to only show certain ads for certain pages. So if you have uh, one website and you have portraits and coaching on that one website and you have one page that's coaching, you can say anyone that landed on my coaching page, show them this ad, but anyone that landed on my portraits page, show them this ad because you can narrow it down specifically to URLs. Uh, so it becomes very, very powerful when you're building out your ads on Facebook. And then as far as who to show it to, you know, obviously for wedding photographers, it's really easy because for us, the first thing that someone does when they get engaged is change their status on Facebook. So that is the most stupid proof, dumb proof, foolproof way of building an audience. But for your portrait clients, like Lori's portrait clients uh, for Boudoir, it's a little bit different, you know, because now... She doesn't want everybody that's out there. She only wants a certain people. And so Lori can tell you a little bit about how she defines her audience for, for Boudoir. But, you know, building your audience is the most crucial part in running a Facebook ad. Because if I'm trying to sell portraits to, you know, 60-year-old men that like four-by-four four trucks or mud derbies, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, I can put ads in front of them all day long, but I'm not going to make any money from it, you know. And so you have to put your ad in front of the right audience and building that audience can be very difficult. It's just that with weddings, the first thing they do is change their status to engaged. So it becomes very simple for me to build an audience where Lori goes into a little bit more detail building her audience and it takes a little bit longer of, of research as to how she wants to build her audience. Yes, I find that wedding photography and also to me pet photography because both are industries where there are a lot of independently owned businesses that serve the niche, I find it much easier to market or think up marketing ideas than some of the other ones. So even with pets, I mean, you know that people with pets, they're going to like certain pages, whether it be veterinarian, local veterinarians, local pet parks, you know, anything local that's pet related, you know, they're going to like and follow those pages on Facebook. So you can target audiences that, you know, that like and follow those pages uh, to show your ads to. So it, it's, it's, cer it's certainly a little bit easier for pets too. So a million, a million different ways that you can do it. So the clock on the wall says that's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I am so happy that you both said yes to being on my show. And I'm super excited to give you big hugs at the, you'll be at PPA convention. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And WPPI and all of that and continue our conversations, though not recorded at WPPI and PPA. And 
I want to know how to get in touch with you. And also, you have a special offer just for our listeners. So, Lori, can you share those two things? Yes. So our website is theshootspace.com. That's where you can go to find any information about where we're going to be speaking next, our education platform, mentoring um, contracts, various things that we sell online. Jeff, I believe, has the coupon code and the product that we are offering. Yep. So we have our wedding albums complete bundle system that talks about everything that we talked about today and has all the emails, templates, everything that we talked about today. And it's 20% off at the shootspace.com forward slash shop. Use promo code Lucy at checkout and you'll receive 20% off that complete album workflow system. Awesome. Such a deal. Thank you for offering that. So I just want to thank you guys so much for being on the show. And I know that uh, my audience has had their minds blown with some of your brilliance. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Welcome. And I'll see you soon. Okay. All right. So here's a little wrap up of today's conversation with Jeff and Lori Poole who own the Indigo Silver Studios, and also they have a lot of goodies that photographers can use, very practical things. So we talked about how they sell wedding albums, and they do a system where they're actually sitting with the clients, and the clients are kind of deciding certain pages and certain storylines and saying yes to it so that it it gets their buy-in and doesn't feel like a bait and switch. We talked about the way that they have balanced their relationship with their business and how it's evolved to where they now have different specialties. So they support each other's businesses, but also they can market separately and avoid the confusion. And I really loved, oh my gosh, the how to draw people to you with what's called a lead magnet and using the sticky album. And if you don't know what that is, it's a little app that you can create that goes on their phone or their iPad. And so that whole system of how to use what's called a sales funnel, how that can be really helpful in the portrait industry, in the wedding industry. And then we talked about the pixel, the Facebook pixel, that's a little pixel that goes in our website. And when people click on it, then it tells Facebook that people are interested in us. And then when we do Facebook ads and boosts within you know, the Facebook newsfeed, it will show up in their newsfeed. So brilliant stuff. And I, you know, sat down over coffee and drinks with Jeff and Lori and always come away with some great ideas. And today feels like no exception. I've had my mind blown a couple times and I hope you have too. So thanks again for subscribing and rating and reviewing this podcast. It means so much to me. You do the ratings and subscribe in iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, you can also go to Stitcher or I'm in Spotify as well as the profitable photographer podcast.com. And I would love to have you download my ebook, 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World. 
or marketing high-end photography in the real world at lucydumascoaching.com. And that's it for now. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Profitable Photographer. Love you guys. Sending a great big hug. Hug. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.